Welcome to Grace Point. If this is your first time with us or you are just now uh, joining us, maybe in the, even in the series of messages that we're in, uh, it's not a long series. In fact, we'll be wrapping it up next week, though we could probably go on a few more uh, uh, times, uh, just dealing with the major topic that we are dealing with. We could go on, I guess, 55 different times, uh, that's mentioned in the scripture. We've been talking about the one another's, the 55 one another's in the, in the scriptures. But I want to ask you a question now. We're two weeks in. This will be our third week. It's time for a quiz. It's time for a self-assessment quiz. And I want you to give yourself a pass or a fail. You get to be, it's subjective. You get to score yourself pass, fail. Did, do I have this? Do I not have this? And you could just go up in the top of your little worship guide there and just put a P or an F and grade yourself as we go through here. This is what we've been talking about. Not just living social, but actually what that means to live as one another's and live with one another's and to do the one another's and to be a good one another in the one another relationship. And so my question, are you good at one another's? And so here's kind of a, to help us break it down based on the definition that we've given for the one another's. One, I want to talk about mutuality, okay? Just that whole idea of a mutual relationship. Be able to answer this question, yes or no. Do you have someone with whom... You have shared your darkest secret. Your part of your life that you would like to either erase, take away, something that you don't, you're not proud of, something that maybe happened to you. Have you shared that darkest secret with anybody? And if you have, then that's good. Then you got to reciprocate that with the, the question because we're talking about mutuality here is have they done the same with you? You could go to a counselor and you could share your deepest, darkest secret, but they were not going to turn around and share you with you their deepest, darkest secret. That's not a mutual relationship. That's a very healthy relationship. It's a good relationship. It gets you further down the road relationship. But what we're talking about doing one another's is where you have something where you are open, transparent, honest, revealing of yourself, uh, vulnerable of yourself, authentic of yourself. You can be stripped down and they accept you and they can be stripped down and you still accept them. And we talked about acceptance and tolerance last week. So I'll just refer you back to that. Second word is honoring. Honoring. Is this relationship an honoring relationship? Here's the question. Do you have someone, and this is an example that's true in my family's life recently that I want to draw from. Do you have someone you trust and want, trust and want to be by your side in the event that you were diagnosed with a terminal illness? had a counselor recently share that as a question that they would ask a couple in a relationship. Do you want this person to be by your side in your last moments? Is this the person, if you could have one person to be by your side? But I want to I up the ante a little bit. And I want to say, is there somebody in your life that if you had a terminal illness... Now, just two weeks ago, why this is so real to me is just two weeks ago, we just lost, actually, maybe it's a week ago now, we lost uh, my aunt, who's a very close aunt uh, in my life and my family's life, and she's a model aunt. She was a matriarch in the family. She was so many things to so many people in this community and beyond in, in just a, in an incredible fashion. But she, And I was glad to say she was my aunt, okay? I was actually blood, uh, and we were connected. And, and so very special, but she had a... Uh, she had a um, a, a form of Parkinson's that was literally taking her body from her. 
Even though her mind was there, in fact, the last words I heard her say that I could hear her articulate were in a squeaky kind of voice and me just leaning in and listening to her is saying, my voice is going, but my head is still here. Then I knew that there was going to be a moment and it was going to be just a few hours from there that she would not be able to articulate what is going on inside of her. And that is just not my Aunt Dell. And so anyway, they go through that whole process. And, and you might think about family coming around, and we did. My mother stepped aside a lot of her responsibilities uh, in, in a lot of different ways and went to her side and would stay with her. My uncle, who'd been married for over 50 years, he gave his life nearly, literally nearly gave his life in taking care of her to the point that he was becoming ill. Family members were coming around. My brother and I would go over every now and then because my aunt would fall and she couldn't get herself up and he couldn't get her up and we would help lift her up and get her back into the chair. So family would come around, but there was one thing about Dale's life that she had a friend named Anita. And Anita was her one another partner. Who when my aunt could no longer take care of herself, and I'm going to be this as discreet as it will, but as real as it is, when she could no longer take care of herself and her own personal hygiene, it would be Anita who would be there taking care of her. When you have somebody who will walk with you on your own personal hygiene, you have somebody who is a one another with you. Now, all of a sudden, when I just find one another, there's something like that, that that's that level of honoring, that that's, I'm going to take away all myself of, uh, of dignity or whatever, and I'm going to stoop down, and I'm going to take care of your basic need. There's a level of honoring in there that your pool of friends just shrank. Just shrank to a very small number. And maybe none. Do you have a one another? Because I believe whenever you think about one another's at the level that I think Jesus wants us to have one another's, and we're going to read from Jesus one another's and Peter one another's and Paul one another's, but here's a, here's a one another of Jesus. Whenever he got down and dirty with his disciples on their dirty feet and this clay, the hygiene issues of that moment in time, and Jesus turns around to his disciples and he says this in John thirteen fourteen, you also ought to wash one another's feet. You know you have a one another person when they will get in your hygiene and they will take care of you. Honoring. Edifying. These are three words that we've used to describe what one another is. Edify means to build up, to make strong, to give strength to. And we'll talk about the word giving strength to someone and how we do that. But here's the question. Who of all your friends has made you a better person? You're better You have greater integrity. You have greater character. You're better in life because this person's in your life. And then again, mutuality, they're better because you're in their life. Think about it. Break it down, pass or fail, where are you at with your one another's? So let's review real quickly what we've been talking about here is these social media things that are out there that I really think are pointing to hard issues of us and they're trying to monetize and create this, this again, social media, so the, the, but they're really speaking to hard issues, the things that are going on in us. Like Facebook, for example, that really speaks to a community desire that we have, the desire to belong, the desire to be liked, and are you a part of a community? Uh, are you you're part of a relationships? Do you have friendships? Do you, uh, are you a part of something and, and are you liked in that something and are you liking others? 77% of you said you have a Facebook and you're on it multiple times a day. No, no, no uh, real shocker there. Twitter, talked about that last week. 
how meaningful words matter, how word count matters, and how what we say gives life, gives death. And, and in a one another relationship, we've got to do words well, okay? We've got to do words well. We've got to say the right things and mean the right things. and They bring life. Now, only 41% of us have Twitter accounts, but it doesn't mean that words don't matter to you. It just means that you're just not on social media. But the point is, is that words matter. They have power to them. Now, we're going to talk about one today that's far less social, all right? It's far less touchy-feely, and it's more getting in, rolling up your sleeves, and getting dirty. It's LinkedIn. Okay, we're going to talk about LinkedIn LinkedIn is uh, where we talk about everyone needs a meaningful mission in life. And you really, when you think about, when you think about LinkedIn, and some of y'all have LinkedIn, some of y'all don't know, all these social medias, they've all started, LinkedIn started in 2003, all these social medias that we're talking about have all started in the new millennium. So you talk about one of the marks of the millennium that we are entering into is this social networking thing that's going on and what it's really saying about us. And each one of these has its own uh, uh, its own vocabulary, if you will. For example, if you're on Facebook, you have friends. If you're, if you uh, are on Twitter, you have followers. And if you are, are on LinkedIn, you have connections. All right. It's about connection and connecting with people. If you're a uh, friends, then you, then you become friends with somebody or you friend somebody. It becomes a verb. you you retweet somebody. If you're, uh, if you follow them or LinkedIn, it's you endorse them. Okay. Each one has, a, has an action to it. You're endorsing them and what they do. But here's one of the things I want us to understand. LinkedIn is far less social and more about connections, more about you connecting with people who you share a common skill, a common passion, a common interest, a common experience, that you're sharing these together, you're endorsing them that, yes, they're good at this, or they're endorsing you, or you do this and that. These are parts of who we are. Greg uh, Dietwaller said it like this in his book, iGods. He said, our network of friends and friends of friends on Facebook and LinkedIn can be a lofty extension of ourselves. They give us a peek into the potential reach of our nonosphere. That's our thinking, our ability to think and think beyond things. Social networking extends our social capital and increases our options. Now, LinkedIn, again, I'm not going to ask for you to survey today on LinkedIn and how many of y'all have LinkedIn, but just so you know, it is a big global movement that is out there. A lot of people connect on it. Two people every second sign up with a a new account on on LinkedIn. Greater than 414 million accounts exist out there on LinkedIn. And so people are connecting in 200 different countries and territories. So it is a global thing connecting people around the world. But a lot of people do it around a job around a skill, around an interest. That's how we connect. And so uh, those of you who have LinkedIn, only you will be able to participate in our survey this week. So take your phones out and uh, we're going to take a survey and we'll reveal this, uh, we'll reveal our findings next week. All right. So here, here's what our uh, LinkedIn question is this week. You'll text those, that, that, again, that number, that address, they'll send you back if you've not done this yet, but you're going to put letter A, B, or C. Or D, all right? Have you searched for a job using Twitter Okay, or using LinkedIn? Are you broadening your network? Have you used LinkedIn to broaden your network, to make new, uh, new friends out beyond that maybe have a similar skill a- as you have or similar interest as you have? 
exploring different career paths. Maybe you think, okay, I need to update my resume. I even heard of a person this recently who got a job and the very first thing they did before they got a resume, black ink on white paper, is they went and they opened up a LinkedIn account to create this online uh, resume or all the above, if that's you. If that's you. Fill that out and drop it, drop, drop it in the mail. Uh, fill it out, drop it in cyberspace and we will get it, all right? Um, but let's, let's talk about this because we're talking about mission, meaningful mission, meaningful career, meaningful vocation. I'm going to narrow it down to everyone is needing a meaningful mission because here's something that happens. Again, you can do the social networking and go hang out at a coffee shop and sip your coffee, your lattes, and have your Bible studies, and you can write meaningful notes and cards to one another. That builds good one another relationships. Let me give you another one. Do something together. Work together. It's amazing what will happen when I take five to eight people, we load up on a plane, put everything in, in a backpack that we're going to live out, live off of for a week, week and a half. And we go to an African country, we sleep on the ground, we eat out of a common bowl, we teach under a mango tree, and we live out of our backpacks. You talk about building community with people. I'm a part of text message groups that for years back are still communicating with each other because of things that happened in West Africa. You talk about building one another relationships, go and use a squatty potty in Africa and it will build community and conversations, all right? So there's lots of things you can do, but somehow rolling up your sleeves and working and doing the work of God does amazing things about bringing people together. I can tell you another example is of people who are serving in Sunday school class teaching preschool kids. They, are, they, they sign up with somebody or they don't sign up with anybody and they're assigned a, a teaching team and they're in there together. They don't know you and they don't know you. But over the period of time of working together, serving together, living life together, all of a sudden they have these new relationships and something happens in this person's life. These people are right there ready in their life. Hey, missed you last week. What happened? Death in the family. You're kidding me. How can I help? All of a sudden, serving together, brought us together, brought meaningful relationships together. Let me tell you about Rosemary. Rosemary's 84 years, 87 years old. 87 years old, suffers from muscular degeneration. She's married, but her husband has had his leg amputated. So he's disabled. Let me tell you about Ruby. Ruby is a widow. She's 82 years old. All of her children, all of her five children live outside of the state. She's here all alone. Let me tell you about Pete and Penny Stamilli. Pete and Penny and their family, PJ and Kevin, have taken on Rosemary and Ruby as the love and the servant heart that they have. They have taken them on and they are their adopted mom. They're her, their adopted kids. Penny will take them to the doctor's office and sit with them and wait for them and love on them and care for them. Pete and PJ and Kevin will go over and they will work in the yard, mowing the yard, making the flower bed right, making it good in their home. They'll take care of them. And they did that completely on their own. We didn't say, hey, Rosemary over here and hey, Ruby's over here. They need help. Would you go? They just took it on themselves. They realized as a family, we can do this. Talk about having a meaningful impact in someone's life. Roll up your sleeves and get dirty. Not only that, talk about representing what real religion looks like. James chapter 1, verse 27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. I can also tell you that 
Pete serves in the back as one of our ushers on Sunday morning. I'll come back to that in a moment. Let me tell you about Gretchen. Gretchen works over in our, our, our kids' nation uh, every Sunday. And, but she also, in her own home, hosts her own Bible club with the kids in her neighborhood just to bring Jesus to her neighborhood. We didn't tell her to do that. We, didn't, we, we just said, listen, this is great. Tell us more about it. We want to learn from you. What are you doing, Gretchen, to impact your own neighborhood, your own hood? Remember, love thy hood? Talk about loving thy hood. She's loving her hood. She's inviting kids in and bringing kids. This is where I'm going with all this. So you might want to jot this down. LinkedIn is finding a meaningful mission. What, that, what, the, what does that take? It takes us linking up with one another for a ministry within the church, inside the church, and a mission outside the church. I want to challenge you today. I want you to identify, do I have a ministry inside the four walls of my church? If this is not your church home, please do not feel at all an obligation. But if this is your church home, if you're calling this your church home, if you're a covenant member, let me say this, you need to have a ministry inside the four walls of this church. But also, I'm going to challenge you, you need to have a mission outside the four walls of this church. You need to be investing in our community in somehow, in some way, in some powerful way. I heard somebody just the last service, Lindsay Parvis, maybe some of y'all know her. They had a foster child, talk about a mission outside of their home. They had a foster child in their home sometime back, is now 18 years old, living in Minnesota, and is up there and is sick and has absolutely no family around her. You talk about somebody who has a mission. Lindsay's getting on a plane this afternoon. She's going up there. She's just going. Nobody, nobody's come to see this girl who's in the hospital right now, in pain, suffering, and there's nobody there. Lindsay's going to leave her home, leave her kids, and she's going to go up there and she's going to serve that girl. That is what I talk about when you talk about having a mission outside, a ministry inside, a mission outside. I want to challenge you if you came in today and got one of these response cards, this is our response today. I want you to keep this in front of you the entire service. I want you to be asking yourself, what is my ministry inside the four walls of this church? What is my mission outside the four walls of this church? We've given you starters, obviously, on the ministry, but you might have your own creative mission outside the church. You just fill that out, and we'll talk about what to do in a moment. But here's one of the things you've got to understand about real-life Christianity. It is about movement. It is about energy. It is about functioning. It is not about absorbing. You sitting in your seat right now does not constitute your Christian religious duties, okay? If that's all it is, you have a faith and you don't have a works, you don't have real Christianity. And I don't want to even mince my words with this. James chapter 2, verse 20 in the message says it like this. Use your heads. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two? And not end up with a corpse in your hand. They go together. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, Paul said like this, work out, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He's basically saying, hey, listen, you got Jesus inside of you. You got the Holy Spirit in you. You got the truth in you. Listen, not to let it come out of you, not to let there be an expression of yourself in ministry and life and attitudes and actions. You're missing it. Take your Bibles and look at the book of Romans chapter 12. We'll be there. I want to zero in there. 
Romans is one of the most densely packaged, incredible books written by Paul, written to the church at Rome. He didn't even start the church at Rome. The Christians were already there in Rome whenever he got there, but he's writing to the church at Rome and he's trying to instruct them. And he gives us the most densely packaged gospel, excuse me, theology book in the Bible. Chapter 1 to chapter 11 is just theology after theology, understanding who God is, understanding who you are, understanding who mankind is, understanding it all, bringing it all together. But what happens at the end of this great discourse? Chapter 12 comes along. And then he says, therefore, and we're going to circle that in a moment when we get there. Therefore, well, therefore is pointing back to the first 11 chapters. Therefore, because of everything that I said here, because of your theology, because of your faith, there should, notice this, there should be a works on the other side. There should be something that comes out on the other side. If your theology, if your faith is just germinating inside of you and just nesting and wrestling inside of you, but it is not being expressed on the outside of you, you don't have legitimate faith. Faith must be expressed. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, therefore, there's the therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That's what we do as worship is present ourselves to God. Do not be conformed. He's going to give us a new pattern here. He's going to give us a new shape, a new, a, a new uh, transformation process in this, to, to this world. But be transformed. Conformed is to be externally changed. Transformed is to be internally changed. And then it being expressed on the outside. By the renewal of your mind, the testing, uh, 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 by testing, you may discern that which is the will of God. What is good and perfect and acceptable? I can't tell you the number of times I have just preached from the first two verses. There's so much there. But we're going to go beyond that because in its very context, he mentions, Paul mentions, three one another's. Now, let me just point something out to you. There are 55 one another's in the New Testament. Jesus, Peter, John, Paul, all mention them. The book of Romans has more one another's than any other single writing in the New Testament. There are nine one another's. We're going to see three of them today. We're going to see two of them in one verse today. So follow along as I keep reading. Verse 3, all this in context. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think sober judgment, each according to the measure of his faith that God had assigned, For as in one body we are many members, and the members do not all have the same function. You have your function, I have my function. We all have our different functions as members of the body. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, individually members of, here's the first one, one another. Having gifts. I don't know if you realize this, but you've got a gift. You've got gifts. You've got multiple gifts from God. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to you, let us use them. Underscore that phrase if you have your Bibles, use them. They're not to be put in a showcase. They're not to be left under a tree wrapped up gifts, but they are to be used. And then he talks about them. Prophecy, service, teaches, exhorts, contributes, mercy. Now listen, if you don't have one of these as your primary gift, it doesn't mean you don't do it, okay? If you don't have the gift of contribution, doesn't mean you don't have to give, okay? Or if you don't have the gift of mercy, doesn't mean you get to be a 
an arrogant little, well, I could fill in some bad words there, but you know, you don't have to be that, okay? It, it means you're going to be, there's going to be some people that are going to be really good at mercy and we all need to learn from them. There's going to be some people really good at contributions. We all need to learn from them. But listen, you're going to be really good at some things and you need to figure out what you're really good at because that's a gift from God and you need to use it. Let's go down to verse nine. Let love be genuine. Harbor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another the, third, the second time. A few words later with brotherly affection, outdo one another. I love that lesson. Listen, create a competition of who's going to honor the other person more than the other person. You talk about a beautiful challenge. Hey, no, I'm going to bless you. No, you're going to bless me. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. What if we got into that kind of mentality in our one another's? So if we're going to do one another's and we're going to do one another's well, and if we're going to realize how we are linked together and how God is, it literally uses the metaphor of a body. If we're a part of a body and we're connected, we're linked in. Then what does that linking in look like? And there's four strides that I think we need to make. And I think they're sequential. I think they're in the right order, okay? This is what happens first. This is what happens second. And what happens third. So jot them down real quickly. Number one is that we need to get a better role model. He said in verse two, don't be conformed, but be transformed. Listen, don't, don't be like the world. How does the world look? What does the world look like? Listen, this world is not, it has a cultural Christianity about it. And it's, it's okay to look like a Christian some of the time. As long as you look like a cultural Christian, the reality is that many of us really don't take our faith that serious. Oh, yeah, we say we do. A survey was done by Barn, and he said four out of five people said that, hey, I, actually, yeah, I, I do have a strong faith, and, and it's a top priority in my life. He does a great thing. He turns right around, and he asks him another question. He says, so what are you doing as a part of your goals and your checks and balances to make sure that your Christian faith is a really high commitment in your life? He found that only actually one in five Christians had anything of a spiritual priority list in their life. So what we do, we talk a mean game, and, but we live a different kind of life. Listen, no, no, let's, not be, let's not be cultural Christians here. We need to have substance behind our statements. We need to not just be that, that consumer Christian who goes into a church and, oh, I like their music program. Oh, I like their preaching. Oh, I like their seats. Oh, I like their air conditioning. Oh, it's really close to home. I like their service times. I like their children's ministry. I'm going to take my family. This is where God wants me to be because of what it gives me. That's a consumer mentality. We need a different role model. This world says this, go find a church and ask what's in it for me. That's not what we need to be asking. We need to say what's in me for it. What's inside of me? What is God doing? That word transform, be transformed is actually the, 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 the word we get metamorphosis from. How is God transforming me on the inside to be a blessing, to be a part, to be a contributing part of this body called Grace Point Church? How am I to contribute to this, not just consume from it? You consume from it. That's what everyone else in the world does. love to tell you stories of, of people like Doug Brewer. Part of our church, I'll tell you a lot of stories of members in our church today. I'm not trying to isolate anybody. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but I guarantee you, if Doug, if you're in this room right now, I know your face is probably red because you're a very shy, introverted guy, but I'm calling you out in front of everyone. Because whenever he was asked to go kind of serve in Kid Nation, and he was like, I don't want to do that. And he went and he served, and he says, it's changing my life. He's serving and it's changing his life. Laura McCuller, in the service, she, Wade was telling me that 
that she has gone with sophomore girls for a while now. Sophomores, girls, junior girls, walk with them through senior, they graduate. She circles back around, sophomore girls, junior girls, small group ministry, shepherd team, does it. She's doing it for the third time. And this time, it's a beautiful story. This time, Chrissy Bartholomew, who was in her first cycle, is coming back around and is going to mentor and walk with her through the next time. That's beautiful. Whenever we see ourselves as transforming agents, being transformed as we're transforming, transforming others as we get transformed. You see what I'm saying? That's what we're called to do. We're not supposed to consume the church. No, we're to transform and be transformed as we become transformers inside of our church, not the action figure transformer either at that. All right, number two, beware of your ego. Your ego will be what will keep you from serving. Your ego will keep you from doing ministry. Your ego will keep you from, from, from doing missions, wherever missions God is calling you to be on mission. Now, notice in verse 2, he said, by the renewing of your mind. How are you transformed? By the renewing of your mind. Most of the problems that we have in the church, most of the problems we have about people unwilling to do ministry and to do missions, happens. the problems are between the ears. We need to have our minds renewed. What happens is we think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Verse 3 says, by, For by the grace given to you, I say everyone among you not to think, circle the word think, of himself more highly than he ought to think, circle it again, but to think, circle it again, with a sober judgment. Sober, not intoxicated with self. Oh, I'm not, I'm not, that's not me. I'm not intoxicated with self. Listen, if you've ever thrown around phrases like this, Oh, that ministry really doesn't matter. You know, I don't have to show up. I don't have to show up. Some, somebody, else will, somebody else will do it. What you're saying is that you are more important than that ministry. You have lost the focus of what, how valuable, absolutely life-transforming that ministry is. Oh, I don't have to show up. Someone else will take care of it. I've got better things to do with my time. You know what? The lake is calling. I don't have time. If that's the mentality you approach your faith with and opportunities for ministry and mission, then boy, boy, you've got a thinking problem. You're thinking up here, I'm up here, and this old little task down here. I had a, I had a, a guy pouring to me when I was young in ministry, about 23 or 24, and I, I was like disappointed because I wasn't here and I thought I should be here in my, my ministry. And, and he just kind of put his arm around me just for, with me for a weekend, and he told me a story about his own life, and he said, Mike, if you're too big for the little jobs, you're too little for the big jobs. Mike, if you're too, if you're too big for the little jobs, you're too little for the big jobs. Mike, you got to change your attitude. You got to realize that, cha- that cleaning a toilet, that setting up chairs, that opening up a door, <laughs> opening up a door, you can do that. Let me tell you this. I, I have a desire for our first impressions ministry that, that no one ever opens up a door for themselves anywhere in this building, okay? Think about that. What if we had that as a mentality, that we were literally going to open up everyone's doors for them? They pull up in the front of the building. We open up the doors. They get out of the car. They open up. They come in the front door. We open up the door. They, they, they go into the worship center. We open up the door. Now, maybe when they go to the stall in the bathroom, we don't open up that door, but every other door we open, that would be a great goal to accomplish. I'll tell you a story. In fact, I want to read you an email. It came in two weeks ago from one of our new greeters. You can follow along as I read. 
I'm new to this ministry and to serving in the church. However, two services ago, I was greeting at the front entrance of our church. A young lady walked through my door, wrapped her arms around me, put her head on my, against my chest and said, thank you. I wrapped my arms around her as well and told her that she was most welcome. I was moved that day and surprised that I could have that kind of impact. Hear words like that, impact, on someone I didn't even remotely know. Our ministry is important. And our response to something like like this could, could change someone's life. I'm proud of our ministry and our church and encourage you all to embrace these moments you encounter. Just opening up a door. Just standing at a door, making somebody feel welcome. Where's your ministry? How are you impacting? Number three, link in and link up. Link in, realize I am a part of something here. I'm a part of a movement. I'm a part, I'm a member, I belong to something here. I'm going to link into that and I'm going to step up my game. Okay? I'm I'm linked into the body of Christ and I have a part to play in the body of Christ. Now, I had somebody in the church who's high into uh, social media and big into that uh, in, in the Walmart world this, this past week. I said, hey, I want you on your free time. I want you to dive in to LinkedIn and give me any good details out there about LinkedIn. One of the things I totally did not expect to find out was what, what is the number one adjective used on LinkedIn? The number one adjective, responsible. People say they're responsible. I'm responsible. You want to hire me because I'm responsible. The number one adjective. Now, just take that for a minute. Now, let's apply that to the church. What if the number one adjective that was described of you and me is that we are responsible because I have a part to play in the body of Christ, into this membership. We have a statement out on, on our, uh, above our door in the old building, uh, in the student building. It says it like this. It's our motto. It says, every member is a minister and every ministry is meaningful. Everybody who's going to be a part of Grace Point Church is going to link in and link up. What are you, what's your role? What's your part are you playing? How are you impacting someone else's life? Verse 4 and 5. Again, people have told me, Mike, membership's not in the Bible. Let me just correct them multiple times over in two verses. For as in one body we are many members... And the members do not all have the same function. I don't do what you do. You do what I don't do. And you do better than I would do if I was doing your job. So don't wait for me to do what God's called you to do. All have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, individually members of one another. A verse I read last week was Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. It talks about encouraging one another. But 1024 in Hebrews says it like this. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. How can I encourage you as a member of this body to love better and to do good deeds? To love better? How can you encourage me to love better and to do good deeds? Because one of the one another's that we're to do is to help one another become better at loving, help one another become better at doing good. 
Ministry and mission is doing good for the other person. With the other one, Facebook. With the other one, community. With the other one, words. That's more touchy-feely. That's more me with you. The other one, LinkedIn, is where we get in and we get our hands dirty and we do missions and we do ministry together and we don't look up and look at each other and just sip coffee. We get in and we do the work of how we can bless people. Heard Michael Frost share this past week about a church that he launched in Australia has a membership covenant like we have a membership covenant. His is a little bit different. The very first thing you sign up when you sign up to be a part of their church in Melbourne, Australia, is that you have to be willing to bless three people every week. You have to bless three people every week. One of them has to be a member of the church. One of them has to be a non-member of the church. And then a third wild card, whoever. But literally, you're going to sign up and you're going to say, I'm going to bless. And he uses the word blessed in its etymology. He understands it to be that you add strength to someone. What if it was that we had a commitment as a church that we were going to add strength and blessing to one another and that you were going to do it to me and I was going to do it to you? Now, he even gives examples. He says you can write a note, a card, words of affirmation. You could buy a gift for somebody. You can do a random act of kindness. You are just going to bless a church member. And you're going to do that to an unbeliever. Everyone does that in the church. Stimulate one another on to love and to good deeds. That's what one anothership is supposed to be about. That's what we're to be about. Lastly, once you've gotten your ego out of the way... (laughs) Once you've got a better role model of I'm not going to be conformed and I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Once you've done that, once you've said, okay, I'm a part of a membership of a body, of a community, of a connection here. I'm linked in here. Okay, what happens now is now I start exercising my shape. Now I can really take the giftings that God has given me. And he mentions that. We we referred to that. Verse 6, he says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to you. Why did God give you the gifts you have? He had it out of his grace from God. Let us use them. Let us employ them. Let us use them for the glory of God. Let us use them for the kingdom of God. Now, you heard me say LinkedIn. It's more around those who have skills and passions and interests and experiences. I want you to think of your shape. Now, not your pear shape or not your your macho shape or your shape in your image of your own mind, who you are. I want you to think of your shape in terms of this acrostic. Spiritual gifts, hearts, abilities, personality, and experiences. In fact, we have an online survey that you can take. It will help you understand what your number one spiritual gift is. It's about 120-something questions. You go to that site right there. You go there. It fills it out. You instantly get your results. Okay. Free online service, you just do that and you'll understand, begin to understand what your spiritual gift is. Start using it. Once you understand your gifting, start using it. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says like this, each one is giving the manifestation of the Spirit. Do you realize that your spiritual gift is a manifestation of the Spirit of God in you? For the common good. Heart, what stirs you? What keeps you awake at night? What motivates you? Abilities. Some of y'all have skills and abilities that I only wish that I had. We had a guy in our church a few years ago, Dan Stratman, who offered up himself. He said, Mike, I'm a statistician for Walmart. If you can think of anything that I can do to help out this church. And he caught me at the right time. 
Because I said, yes. And he helped us with an entire thing that we had going on. And it gave us the information from the church member, from the community that we needed. Thank God that he took his abilities and said, here, I offer them up for the kingdom of God. Personality. What's your personality? What makes it who you are? What do you enjoy doing? Experiences. You've experienced things. I've experienced things that I bring to the table, you bring to the table, that, that is, is life-transforming. And some of them have not been so sweet and good and kind. I say this to you and I say it again and again and again. Never waste a pain. How can you take the pain of your life and use it for the glory of God? Somebody texted me after the last service and said, Mike, you know the number of people that I've lost in my life. Are there any men that need some man to walk with them through their loss? What is it, experiences of your life? Mickey Thomas is sitting here on the second row. I've been a member of the church since nearly the beginning of the church. He's been a preschool teacher. Talk about a ministry inside the church. Been a preschool teacher since we were at Reagan Elementary School, Benville High School, uh, and then, and then her, all, all the way through. She's been a, never taken a break. But she also experienced something deep, dark, and painful in her life early, early on before she ever moved to Northwest Arkansas of being in an abusive relationship where she was physically, sexually, mentally, every every way uh, imaginable abused and got out. Been beautifully married to Larry, a great great relationship now for a number of years. A number of years past, she ended up serving, volunteering over at Benton County Women's Shelter. But God continued even the last, in this new season of her life, stepping away from Walmart, she's opening up a nonprofit called Sarah's Hope in Centerton. Hopes to open it up this summer, just willing to serve and help women who've gone through a battered situation, an abuse situation. What I love about that is as an example in Vicki of a ministry inside the church and a mission outside the church. We need them both. They keep us balanced. Again, if I can have us all read 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Read it with me. As each one has received a special gift, employ it another one another. Use your gift to serve one another. Again, outdo one another in showing honor. If we do one another's well, Grace Point Church, we will be known as the church that embraces and loves and accepts and makes a difference in people's life because we are not just a static body, but we're a body that embraces one another's. Had somebody come into us recently. Now, I don't know how long ago it was now, but I'll just, I'll just say recently came into our office, and we have people come in every week. So there's nothing new coming in, needing help. Now, I have to say, a lot of people come in, and they want to make the church a social service. We have to sort through them and help them in the right way. But this one was different. Met with one of our pastors. I sat down with one of our pastors. Our pastor just let the story be downloaded of what was going on. They were physical. They were financial. They were, everything was just falling apart in this person's life. This person offers up, hey, I want to let you know, though, I'm not a believer. I don't know anything about the Bible. And I don't know anything about church. The pastor was wise enough to say, well, why'd you come? Why'd you come here? And she said, well, I have some family members in another state that talked about how much their church loved people. And I thought, well, maybe in my dire situation, I could find a church that would love me. 
so I'm trying you out. I just want to say this. There's a lot of people out there who don't have people to do one another with. It's very special. It's very unique. We're called to do it. We're called to have a ministry. We're called to have a mission. How are you using your gifting, your shape for ministry and missions? Here's what we're going to do. Band's going to come back out and we're going to sing Be Thou My Vision about the vision that God has for your life. I want to challenge you to take this card during this time right now. Fill it out. If you are already in ministry, fill it out and put, I am going to continue in this ministry. Check it off. If you are like, I'm not in a ministry, but I'm ready to be a part of a ministry. I'm ready to make a difference. I want to begin. Check that. And also put down if you have a mission that you are a part of. Or if you don't, say, hey, I'm willing. I'm open. Whatever. Put that in. And you can see in the line across the stage from the first gathering during this song, I want you to bring it and just lay it here. Let me pray. Father God, you know our hearts and our lives. What's holding us back from being linked in and stepping up? Or would you help us in this moment to understand our calling before you to be members of a body, knit together, bringing our giftings and our skills, our passions, our life experiences that you would use them for the glory of God. Lord, give us a vision for what you want for our life here and now. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and sing?